0: Welcome to Mind Rolling. And I'm Ragu Marcus. And I'm David Silver right here. Here and now. Yeah. Not. That's the podcast I do with Ramdas. Well, this is, you know, a mutation of that. It is. That's kind of what this has turned out to be a mutation. We're mutations of <laughs> Ramdas. And um uh, Uh, So I saw this article in the New York Times that I thought was pretty interesting, and it's called How Not to Be Alone, and it's by a man named Jonathan Safran Foer, who's a novelist, and this was actually a commencement address quite recently. Um, So he kind of starts off, and he says that he was just, you know, in the the streets of Brooklyn and waiting to meet a friend and he's just hanging out there waiting and he sees a young woman who is sitting by herself crying and he kind of overheard a little bit of what she was saying I think it was around her talking to her mother or something And he says, I was faced with a choice. I could interject myself into her life or I could respect the boundaries between us. Intervening might make her feel worse or be inappropriate, but then it might ease her pain or be helpful in some straightforward logistical way. An affluent neighborhood at the beginning of the day is not the same as a dangerous one as night is falling. And I was me and not someone else. And there was a lot of human computing to be done. It's harder to intervene than not to, but it is vastly harder to choose to do either than to retreat into the scrolling names of one's contact list or whatever one's favorite eye distraction happens to be. So we had this dilemma. I think we probably we can all relate with that dilemma uh, in terms of of seeing somebody in pain or suffering in public or you just happen to bump into it and do you do something, you know, and you go through all of the conniptions about, should I do something? Am I interfering or am I going to get caught up? That's usually the self-interest really does take over. Am I going to get caught up in someone else's stuff? You know, do I want to get involved? You know, that kind of a thing. And, uh, this is all related to what we, uh, uh, you know, his, uh, point of view here is around what it is that we've become as a society, as a culture, related to the technological advances and how we are so wrapped up in, in those advances. And he thinks to our disadvantage. And, and in, uh, here's a little bit more of what he says. Psychologists who study empathy and compassion are finding that unlike our almost instantaneous responses to physical pain, it takes time for the brain to comprehend the psychological and moral dimensions of a situation. The more distracted we come, we become, and the more emphasis we place on speed at the expense of depth, the less likely are we able to care. Well,
1: it's really a debate, isn't it? Because you get his you get his point. Uh you know, he he was felt, oh, I could help this, this uh, person who was just crying. Uh, but he, he pulled back for all kinds of reasons. Uh, but she was on the phone crying. And, um, and then in the same article, he goes on to talk about the various extensions of communication, like, okay, there was a time when there were no phones, and then you actually had to go and see someone, and then you mm-hmm. had to call them. But now people don't even use the phone if they can help it. Even emails are looking a bit antique, You know, people don't email as much as they did because of texting, and uh, the debate surely is: um, Does it make does this virtual uh, community uh, help and bring us together, or does it actually pull us apart? And I think it's a complex issue because you can you can go on either side of that, but it's not. It's there's a large grey area in there um, because I think that Facebook, for instance. Really is helpful to a lot of people. The question is if they're alone, you know if you're alone in your house, your apartment somewhere, communicating with people with on Facebook or whatever, or whatever platform, is that a real communication? or is it in fact ultimately a kind of denial of, of having real communications, one to one with people, looking at their face, touching their arm, whatever? Uh, that's what he's about there. And it's a very good article because he doesn't really come down on one side or the other. He just says that there's a danger, that's what he says, of of a weird kind of paradoxical isolation from all this virtual community. This is not a new debate. I'm sure everybody listening now um, thinks about this on some level. Um, where I, what I feel about it right now is that um, I'm, pretty much of a loner in some ways. And using some of these platforms um, has helped me uh, connect with people that I'd just forgotten about or left behind geographically or psychologically. (laughs) And I think for a a grouch like me, it's a good thing because Mm -hmm. it opens me up and helps me to, to maybe even help other people and let them help me. So I think I'm pretty sane with it. Um, the question is, I think when we get to younger people who've not had any other sort of universe to live in except this one this virtual one I mean Raghu, uh, do our children we both have children uh do they are they as as communicative uh one to one and warm since all this or or less
0: yeah and The other element here, and here's an interesting quote from Simone Weil, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. By this definition, our relationships to the world and to one another and to ourselves are becoming increasingly miserly. That's another little kind of wrench in in the system here uh, you know that and i agree with you i i have um praise only for Skype you I know mean, allowing me to actually you know my son who's got a couple of kids uh, you know that's the only way i cuz they live in ireland that's the only way that i can communicate and that i can share some space with them is so that i'm i'm pleased about that technology and i, I agree with you Facebook is certainly geographically brings together people that I would not normally have any kind of communication with not that I, you know I'm not a big Facebook user but certainly that that is is real but I think so what's happened and you just you know talked about it in terms of this generation that's growing up in this way and is is not at all paying any attention to the fact to the possibilities, the negative possibilities of only having this virtual communication. And that the more you live like that, then you miss out on this, you know, highly important uh, point of, uh, you know, that the generosity that comes from actually spending time and giving people attention. That isn't happening with the speed of these, you know, communications, which are, you know, these texting communications and so on and so forth, which which are so incredibly brief. Forget email. Email is, is you know, I mean, well, that's gone away. That's that's just business, you know. So uh, let's see a little more about this because I think it's way more complex than, you know, it's not so black and white as, as we, you know, as we are navigating most of our communications te- technologies began as diminished substitutes for an impossible activity we couldn't always see one another face to face so and you mentioned all this stuff about you know starting out with the telephone and the answering machine and now you know migrating online communications you know was a substitute for all of this and now texting um and these inventions were not created to be improvements upon face to face communication but a declension of acceptable, if diminished, substitutes for it, so that we get into that habit now. And as you know, we, as we've just said, that habit could be very destructive when you have teenagers and growing up into this who know nothing else.
1: Yeah, and you know, older people are fond of saying that uh, teenagers now are, are are simply introverted. You know, you talk to some uh, human beings in their 16, 17, 18, and um, kind of um, not really into having conversations as such. Um, I'm not sure that's that different from any adolescent stage before. Uh, Most teenagers, I think, it's quite healthy for uh, younger folks to to be a little suspicious of older people and, and to not tell them everything. But I think the speed factor is part of the issue here. That if you can text someone and you just and you're not even using words anymore, using these symbols, and just say hi, cool, great, see you later, whatever, and to a large number of people on your contact list, yeah, that's not really much of a communication. But again, the debate kind of, there is debate here because you could say, well, if it weren't for that, you wouldn't have the ability to say, uh, you know, Chuck, I'm at I'm at this particular restaurant. Uh, having a cup of coffee, uh meet me there. Uh you know, or that's there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing conceivably wrong with that as a communication. The question is what is it doing
0: to intrapersonal live um sharing? Yeah, because it it's it's way easier to just even I mean, you know, meeting people and all that, that's all business. So it's it's phenomenal for business. The business of socialization, the business careers, whatever it is, and how you want to engage people. Of course, it's phenomenal for that. But, um, you know, instead of going to see someone who's in the city, who's even 15 minutes away, hey, why don't we just Skype? Or why don't we, um, you know, uh, or even, you know, I'll give them a phone call. uh, How about a little text? Hey, how you doing? It starts to eliminate I mean, the more of this that goes on, it starts to eliminate the face-to-face and human interaction. And, and you know, I, again, I go back to this, you know, giving attention is, is what everybody wants. They want attention. Now, it, you know, it may be that it could be a love, if, if it's a lover, for instance, you know, it's, it's, you don't care and you will absolutely text, email, and uh, you know Skype whoever right to get things done but if it comes to someone you know talk about a lover you that's someone you want face to face and you're going to give that attention because you want something back in that case but look what's happening to all other uh, communications and, and and being with people you know we're we're how much are we missing out by not You know, Sherry, look at you. I mean, you know, you've come here and visited me, hasn't it, for five days? And we do a bunch of podcasts, right? And why are we doing... I mean, we have figured out that we can do some of this on Skype. And we do some of this on Skype. But there's some element that is absolutely missing. You know, if David and I don't have that, you know, the kind of contact where we are sitting, you know, with each other right now... There's so many innuendos. Of- there really are. I mean, you, you say to me,
1: oh, I'm, I'm going to make some chai. Do you want some? Yeah, I do. You make it. I drink it. I like it. That's part of the signals of, of, of having a personal connection with someone. The, the real, I, I think the dilemma is, in, in does it, it certainly helps people get together on some level. But as you said before, does it then diminish the desire to really get exactly. together, Exactly, yeah. because people say I, I read it many times that people will now make phone calls to people, leaving messages, knowing that they won't have to
0: talk to them. Yep, and we've I, all I, done I it. To you, I almost hope it. sometimes. Yeah, don't don't answer that phone for God's sake. Which
1: say. is maybe okay in business because business is business. Yeah. But when it's when it's your friends, you know, um, uh, in in one of the um, great. Uh, talks at one of the Ramdas retreats, I learned something which was uh, the meaning of the word uh, meaning friendship you wouldn 't know this better than me we were talking about it yesterday. Something means friendship that we didn 't and Sharon Salzberg talked about it uh, a, a Sanskrit word or a
0: tibetan word i 'm not sure. Well, it, there is a, there is... Metta it, is means, didn't she say well, metta? No, metta is loving kindness. Loving kindness. But, kindness, but, but in the Hindu thing, yeah. and KK was talking about it, yeah. our, our friend from India. Oh, yeah. There's a certain very specific ritual that's done in August every year. And it is and it is uh, about friendship. And they tie a thread on each other to express... It's called Raksha Bunda. Oh, Raksha Bandha, yeah. And they tie a thread on each other to connect each other eternally through, and it's, it's, it's done brothers and sisters is how it originally happened. Brothers and sisters would put these threads on it to connect each other uh, in, infinit- in infinity. Mm-hmm. And then it, now it's grown where friends do it. And um, I actually, I mean, God, this is a step out for a moment, but I was in <laughs> India with, at this time, uh, in August, uh, a number of years ago, and this the ceremony was happening. There was very few people around, and I was in the uh, in the temple in the foothills of the Himalayas in Kanchi, and uh, our Indian mother Sidima was was there, and I was hanging out. There wasn't any other Westerners for about a week, just me and another guy. It was incredible, and she put this Raksha abundant on me, uh, and, and exchanged that with me, and that was uh, such a talk about not being able to replace the physical presence of another person I mean my God um, so I like this and you just brought this up the the problem with accepting or preferring what he calls diminished substitutes which is our technology is that uh, over time we too become diminished substitutes right and we do right people who become used to to say to uh saying little become used to feeling little so what do we say about that i mean that i mean you know you're connecting you're talking about facebook and how it's connecting you with people that you would never have been you would not be connected with because of either you know geographical or other conditions uh related to the past relationships so that's a tremendous positive and i agree with you but what about this the the more that we do this, the more diminished we are.
1: Yeah, I, I I've there's someone on my pay, Facebook page um, who's been in great pain about many things for a few years, and this person um, tells us that um, on 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 the page, and um, it, it there's something very weird about it because you you don't sort of necessarily want to get involved with it. It's like you were saying before: you see someone crying on the street. Well, I mean, I saw in New York recently, I, I saw an old gentleman, I subsequently found out he was 95, and um, he collapsed on the street and um, a bunch of us went over there immediately and uh, got a doctor and um, helped him breathe, and there about five of us, you know. Yeah. It was a beautiful thing, because he really appreciated it. He wasn't out of it at all. He, he said, oh, thanks, you know, it's great. And, um, it was fantastic. I'm much less prone to do that on Facebook because you begin to think, well, if someone's doing it on Facebook, there's some really, some real deep neurosis there because, or some deep loneliness. And to get involved, particularly as you don't, I mean, supposedly they're a quote in quotations friend, but many of the in quotation friends we have on Facebook are not really close friends. So the question is, Can you have an expanding community with a a, a miraculously fast communication tool and still have real empathy and compassion and act on it? And I think the answer is complex there too. Because there are cries for help that are involved with more than just the individual. For instance, um, the recent um, rage of stuff about um, GMOs, about the NSA surveillance, all of that, with people just getting on Facebook and saying, wake up, gut people, you're just really sleeping, and, and sign this petition. I mean, I signed a petition for fracking in New York, and now I get, you know, sort of 20 things a day asking me to sign petitions. I don't sign them all. But it does wake me up and it make me understand that I'm here to, you, we're all here to, you know, live and, and love, but also to help others, and mainly primarily to help others. And that's a tool that helps in other words they get people together via these platforms that could not be done conceivably before first of all the media was top down it was a pyramid with an elite running the media at the top and the rest of us like little mice running around there's been a democratisation of communication in the last 20 years via the internet and let's you know what where did the internet come from it came from a military communications and technological communications that were those guys brilliant guys decided they could communicate like this, and they invented the system, and now we 've all got it and i 'm not sure the internet is the problem. I think the problem is more the texting thing that 's what seems to bother most people is that you walk down the street in any major town or any town, and you 'll see a, a large number, particularly of younger people, just texting their their thumbs are just working it out, walking down the street. And are we just old fogey saying, well, you know, my parents probably said to me, stop watching television or something. And now we're saying, well, should they be testing all the time? It is not a simple thing, this Rago, because I, I, in my head right now, I'm thinking, well, um, for young people to communicate in a world which is very alienating for them, uh, you know, getting a job and getting into a college, and now, you know, in the middle of 2013, we hear that, they're about to double the uh, interest on loans for college kids. This is making it very difficult for young people. And so any tool they have to communicate with each other is good. But what the guy says in the article, we can't ignore it, is this substitution actually diluting the um, ability for us to show love and not only show love, but to be and active gosh. in helping others. You know.
0: And the, the issue of generation after generation going through you know get getting further and further removed from uh, physical contact with people from inspiration that you that you gain from from this contact in in singularly or with groups that mm-hmm. can be a huge issue where where's is that going to end up uh, I like this too um, uh, <clears throat> only those with no imagination, no grounding in reality would deny the possibility that they will live forever. It's possible that many reading these words will never die. <laughs> yeah. Right? What's going to happen? You know, what's the possibility, you know, with genetics and, you know, all of the uh, science that's going into this, this, uh, uh keeping ourselves alive way longer than we probably should. Let's assume, though, that we all have a set number of days to indent the world with our beliefs, to find reward, motivation, and emotion. Subsequently, we found that listening to what might be called peak emotional moment... Whoops! (laughs) I have just... I've gone into something um, extended from this particular article that we haven't even talked about. So I think I'll leave it behind, but it's it's about um, one of the ways that we can uh, get our brains back into the possibility of real human communication, right, by using technology is uh, through music. And that was going to be a little, I, I've hit that a little fast. I wanted to talk about that uh, as part of this podcast because it totally relates to this that that uh in the case because you and I have so uh connected to music and you know how much time in our lives we spend it and how much it's been transformational for us and i wanted to you know cuz this article it's a bit negative you know in in I, I mean you you say he hasn't really made you know he hasn't really made a decision one way or the other to the positive to you know the positivity of what technology does to the negativity but i think he is much more to the negative and i, I wanted to finish this up a little bit but the interjection here was was about the um, counter that uh, to all of this that music is such a big thing to help us uh uh evoke compassion love and caring so uh, want to get into that uh so uh, and yet but music is, the way
1: we listen to music now and the way we communicate about it is deeply involved in the new technology. Yeah, and, you exactly. know, in the old days, you go out and buy an album and you might call someone and say, I just got this, you know, this album and you should get it. Now you're on Spotify and, and it says, you know, David Silver is now listening to Captain Beefheart. Right there, if you right. tune into that. And it, it, I don't see anything wrong with that because it's, you know, it's kind of like sports. I mean, I'm in an elevator in New York City going up 30 flights and i'm stuck with some one person and sometimes it 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 is that moment when that person says wow what about those yankees you know and then you communicate with that as a touchstone music is a touchstone sports entertainment all that you know i mean people spend hours talking about you know um, homeland or mad men or stuff that isn't about our community it's about a fake you know mass media stuff that we we watch and then we talk about it um i get a little disturbed on facebook just to go back to like that, when people are just constantly talking about mass media you know when the, the, all their communications are about well you know did don draper did he really um do right. this and right. should he have slept with that person and, and and that makes me nervous because then i feel oh my goodness we're talking about a non-family on a screen that was written by a bunch of guys in 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 Beverly Glen you know i mean it 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 it's weird so i guess the you know my it sounds sort of a little bit pollyannish but i think there's a spectrum here where as usual the tools can help us all tremendously um just like calling 911 uh if you you know if you're Friend has fallen down the stairs and you don't know what to do about it. And they're unconscious. Call nine one one. They come pretty fast and they help. That's a tool. That's a telephone. It's an ambulance. It's those guys. That's good. There's nothing. You just can't imagine there being anything wrong with that. Well, mm. I think we're we're investigating here a little bit via this article is the quality of 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 um, community and communion and the lack of rituals in our society. So when you went to India with Ma. And she she uh, tied the, the thread ritual. on. Yeah. It was so. It is so moving because you were behind that are thousands of years of tradition of 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 community, of sharing of yeah. love. We lack those rituals, you know. Right. So, so we end up talking about you know um, Beyonce or something ridiculous. I, I, well, you know,
0: <laughs> Beyonce. Uh, Don't know how that got in there, but. <laughs> The, but the the truth is, I guess you know it comes back to every, to something we talk about uh, so much, almost every week, and with the guests that we have on balance, right, right, and even in this article, he talks about okay, there must be some kind of balance between using this technology for and you know in a positive manner, and how it certainly and we've listed you know different uh, ways in which it enhances our lives at the same time we need to understand the ways in which it is absolutely taking away an essential uh, quality uh which is is compassion because he starts this whole thing out should i should i or should i not go over to that young woman who's in pain so
1: uh and if you take that to the limit I think we've all observed that some of these horrendous mass killings and everything, there seems to be some consistency in the character profile of of, of some of the people that do these atrocious acts. And one of them is the word loner. Um, and the idea of, and often we hear that these um, boys and girls or young men and women were very bright, very good at what they do. They could do calculus. They could talk about algorithms. They go on, they play video games. Uh, they do that. And then you hear about them doing some horrible act. That's the furthest extension of this. Obviously, most people do not shoot people, or anything like that. But it is interesting that the the profile has got something to do with aloneness.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, there is a complete. I mean, you can see it in people that you know aren't radically, you know, disturbed. Uh, you can see it in people that are you know, just your friends and, you know, people you relate with. If they have absolutely, in their childhood, they have not received love, unconditional love of any sort, which is a difficult thing, you know, to say the least. But if they haven't gotten some modicum of that love, there's a deep woundedness that does tend to make them uh, um, stay away from interacting Hmm. physically with people so that the, the net and texting and, you know, technology supports that aloneness.
1: And... Coupled with that ragu is the knowledge that comes from the internet about some of the really disturbing things that are going on on the planet, which we may not have, which which lonely people might not have latched onto before. One of the articles about the NSA leaker says that if you're alone and you're smart and you're reading things, you begin to think that the society is just irreparably against you. The government, mm-hmm. the bureaucracies, and again, that's an alienation. and and yeah, we know that there are real abuses going on in the government and all that. We don't want to get there right now because that's a whole other thing. But, you know, I, I don't blame a, a, a 19-year-old college student for saying, what the heck? Uh, how can I grow up in this society? How can I do anything? I, You know, everything's controlled. I don't know what's true and what's not true. Those factors are, you know... Make for great difficulties. So, if you don't have a group of friends, a family that loves you, a group of friends that are true friends, you could end up being very, very unhappy in your life. and that's very sad and
0: And again, everything you know that we've been talking about, this the technology is you know will completely support the dead-endness of, of a life. It won't do the other thing if you are there. Let me just... Uh, yeah,
1: read on. Yeah.
0: Most of the time, most people are not crying in public, but everyone is always in need of something that another person can give, be it undivided attention, a kind word, or deep empathy. There is no better use of a life than to be attentive to such needs. There are as many ways to do this as there are kinds of loneliness, but all of them require attentiveness. All of them require the hard work of emotional computation and corporeal compassion. Love that, corporeal compassion. All of them require the human processing of the only animal who risks getting it wrong and whose dreams provide shelters and vaccines and words to crying strangers. Mm. We we live in a world made up more of story than stuff. We are creatures of memory more than reminders, of love more than likes. <laughs> Direct hit onto likes. Yeah. Being attentive to the needs of others might not be the point of life, but it is the work of life. I would counter that saying it is the point of life and it is the work of life. It can be messy and painful and almost impossibly difficult, but it is not something we give. It is what we get in exchange for having to die. That's quite a, a final statement <laughs> on this. Really? Um, and I would up-level that uh, a bit uh, because in the giving that we can give to anybody who's suffering in pain or not, just giving. And of course, that giving comes back. I mean, there's absolutely no question about it. And that uh, creates a purpose for us being on this planet to be able to do that and live fully connected in a full circle with our you know, co-human inhabitants here. And so I would say truly that is the purpose for us to be here. And uh, I, I don't know, I think we've, you know, I would hope that people coming up, you know, now in their teens where this is all second-hand language, you know, mm-hmm. all I mean, first-hand language, all of the technology that, are, uh, that is being used for a lot of positivity... That that uh, we know that it has a negative side effect, and I think this this article, "How Not to Be Alone," is pointing out the negative side effect uh, that is profound, absolutely profound, and uh, that we need to come up with ways to counter, you know, our tendencies to appreciate and and just uh, slide into the speed of of the technology to the point where we forget just being able to be here now with each other. <laughs> right, right.
1: I mean, I can't help but think that in some of the countries that I've traveled in, which are supposed, which are technologically way behind us, and um, you do often experience a wonderful warmth coming from strangers. Uh, obviously in India we found that. I found that in in Islamic countries that I've traveled in, um, in in Morocco in particular, in the West Bank, where the doors were open and people loved to be hospitable. Um, You know, there was a a tradition there that had not been corrupted and family uh, was not just your own family, but was anyone who came, kind of, and the hospitality uh, was just part of the bloodstream somehow, and you feel it, and you know it's real. And they don't want anything from you. All they want from you is to help you, and and that's a human trait that that is, goes forever back. But I guess part of what we're talking about here is: does this virtual ease, this facility to communicate with anyone across the world instantaneously, does it? Is it some kind of way of eventually creating a larger family, or back to the dilemma? is it creating a faux family where, you know, there isn't really that attention. I love that quote you did from Simone
0: Weil. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, You know, she talks about attention, I think. Attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. That is one of the best quotes I've read in quite some time, and it is so to the point. I mean, and you're talking about traveling in... Third world countries and Islamic countries, and you know of course, um, India for me, actually going there, I mean one of the main reasons I go there is to get cut off of my habitual life, the speed at which I am living um i'm I've been deeply involved, you know both of us in media forever. So, you know, we are right in the thicket of, of technology and, uh, going there cuts that right off. It's not like, okay, if I'm in Delhi, I can Skype with you, you know, and no problem. But once I go up into the foothills of the Himalayas, there's still internet there, you know, it's, it's shit. (laughs) There's no broadband. You can't really download it. You know, I mean, it's getting better. But it's oh, the last the, time
1: I was in Delhi, I tried to communicate. I went to a, a internet cafe, and a guy who was like the host came up to me and said, well, you know, you have to join. And, and the fee was was quite high. And I said, well, I, I don't want to join. I just want to make one, you know, thing. And he said, okay. In other words, he made up the rules as he went along. Uh, it wasn't that easy to communicate. And you know something? I, as you just said, it's a great relief sometimes to know that the only people you can you can talk to are the ones in the room.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it's a retreat. I mean, of course, you know, a retreat. I spend time, you know, in a in an ashram when I'm there. But just going to India is a retreat because you do get cut off. I mean, a lot of it you get off from your you get cut off from your the habits that you naturally engage with. Right. I mean, you know, right. some of it's right. just bullshit, like walking in a in a city on a summer's day where you know, you know, all the women are dressed. You know, very scantily because it's hot, which would never happen. You know, in 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 India, this is not happening. So you don't have to be distracted by that. I'm never never distracted by such things. Well, you aren't. I I know. (laughs) I'm. You are one of the purest gentlemen. I have ever encountered in my entire life. But as Bob Dylan said, if you could see the inside of my brain, I think your brain would explode. So, yeah. you know, let's get well, that straight, you know. But what, actually, what I'm trying to get to, aside from, the, you know, that, that reason that I, I love going to India, just to get yeah. my past cut off, my habits cut off, the, the technology habits cut off, I, I get up there and, um, you know, I've known people there forever because of going for so long. And I have family there. And we mentioned this particular man who uh, introduced Ramdas to Maharaji and was uh, not introduced, he was the t- first translator. And, and then Maharaji sent him to his home to get to understand what Indian hospitality is really like, what Indian family life is really like. And talk about this. I mean, I'm going to say this quote over and over attention is the rarest and purest form. Of generosity, because i I go into that house, and it 's the whole family comes round. they just will sit there. What do you need? you know get some tea will food you have to stay here um, you know what can we possibly do to serve you and that 's what happens i don 't get that anywhere well i mean
1: actually I think in 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 certain areas of the United States that are less Like here, for instance, Uh, and I found it in other places that are kind of you wouldn't think. I spent time in Oklahoma a lot and in Georgia. In smaller communities, people still retain a sort of natural kindness and worrying about someone else and will come to their aid. The problem is, you know, Delhi was built by the or at least the newer Delhi was built for max one million people. It's now got twenty two million people there around the environs of it. People don't can't find work in the country, so they come to the city. That is already uh, a corruption because there's just too many people. And it's and, and and we're you know, we don't even know there are cities in China that we've never heard of. There's I've heard there's at least ten or fifteen of them. That are bigger than any cities in the United States, you know that are like fifteen million people, not just Shanghai and Beijing, but once we don 't know it, the city is the is now the real magnet because of all kinds of reasons, rural life can't support people within this economy. so what i 'm learning is that um, you know, in these vast conglomerate cities, conurbations, it's very hard. To communicate with anybody outside your immediate uh, group of friends, because everybody's in a hurry and also everybody's paranoid. I mean, New York is not the worst one. I mean, I, I live in New York, and it used to be a very dangerous and forbidding place when I first. It's better now. Uh, people are much more um, communicative. It's a, a cleaner and a, a more more sharing city. But spend some time in in Detroit or St. Louis and certain places where there's you know some real problems. Where people are going through some hardships, I you know, there are dangerous places in some parts of the city. Chicago, we know about. Uh, I'm I'm kind of rambling into another. City. Yeah, what is it? I guess what I'm saying is that the nature of the structure of our of our of the infrastructure of our lives, the cities, and all of that, has made it difficult to just you know be a human being around right. other human beings. You're yeah. rushing past them. The guy in the article says he saw a woman crying, um, didn't know what to do really. Should I go up to her? Is she going to think I'm some kind of predator? Those are the words that go through people's heads now, and for good reason. Um, you know, I was walking in the park a, a few days ago with my girlfriend, and there were uh, some children playing, and I just was so taken by what they were doing. They were building something, and I, I, I sort of passed by, and I said, uh, oh, what are you doing, you know? And they all all three of them looked up at me as if I was some kind of criminal. And mm-hmm. um, and we we walked away because... You know there are all kinds of, of new paranoias about human interactions that have grown, and um, that's another aspect of this. Maybe um, this is a transition stage, this what we're going through right now, and that the and that we will mature into using these um, technologies to actually come together, because surely the the impetus of humankind is more towards
0: community than it is towards alienation. But the culture here is absolutely, and in the big city, you're right, it's no different than the big cities of India or no. even Africa, I would imagine, right. uh, not having been there in quite some time. But that continuation of the speed of connection with each other through technology, the the pressures that are brought about by the economics of our world right now and as you say these cities are becoming completely overcrowded and uh there there is no spaciousness for the kind of uh human interaction and contact that this man is bringing up and that we are are losing and 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 you know the concern is that the more generations that go down this path it will become lost in, and there won't be any balance and I'm sure when I go up into the foothills of the Himalayas, you know, after this, you know, this generation will pass, you know, and my children will go up there, and and they will be faced with the, it's not much difference between what's happening now and how people are not communicating with each other um, in a face-to-face uh, reality. And so is that the way this is all going? I mean, I still, it's wonderful for me, I still go there and these people are not wrapped up and caught up, and they have this sense of generosity that he talks about through attention. How long is that going to last? You know, I mean that that is the certainly uh, the the fear that is being brought up by by this by this article, and that we become completely insulated and alone, and and we think we're not because we're communicating with such vast amounts of people through Facebook, through, you know, send my, I can send my text out to, you know, my 30, you know, closest people, and never see them. Right. And not think, and then as we grow up, we're not even thinking about, we're missing anything. There's nothing. It's just the way it is. And if that's the case, then, you know, this is a trauma that, yeah, because it's, we are, I think, as individuals, hardwired not that way.
1: Exactly. And the irony being that the hardwiring within us is towards uh, human contact, obviously. Or we wouldn't have children, and we wouldn't have families, and etc. So there wouldn't be love. There wouldn't be love. So uh, the 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 question partially is: Will this divine gift of love prevail, because it is indeed a divine gift, uh, or will it become hidden? more and more and more hidden. And I think that here we are on a podcast, okay. Um, We wouldn't have been able to do this even 10 years ago. We would have had to have a radio show like you had in Canada or a Mm -hmm. TV show like I had in Boston. Mm. And even that's top down. It's not, it's still you talking and people listening. But now we can actually, you know, I'm inviting people right now to comment upon this dilemma of technology versus interpersonal um, touch and feely stuff. I want people to, you know, write to us or call us, whatever, and say what do they think about this? What has been their direct experience in their own lives of enhancement or diminution, of of this um, of, of of real contact? Um, so I'm using a podcast which is going out in, in, in ways that I don't even understand. Uh, you know, people oh we go to iTunes and get it, we go to SoundCloud and get it, we go to your website again. These are the words that are coming up. Is your bandwidth big enough? All that. It, we're a part of it. We are a part of this, and we wouldn't be able to communicate this for whatever it's worth if this technology didn't exist. So it, it is really bifurcated. This I mean, there's two sides to it. To simply stop the technology, for instance, like um, the the Chinese are reputed to do to 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 uh, censor the internet. Yeah. Uh, whereas in Egypt, when the uh, Ar- Arab Spring happened it's pretty i think true that facebook and and twitter and et cetera was very instrumental in those uh, p- those folks communicating with, with each other in a way they wouldn't have been able to so they could come together in tire square or whatever and 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 activate against an oppressive regime uh you know it's really complex this stuff i mean t- and i i don't like it when i i read stuff that just says this is terrible you know this is going to kill us all we're all going to be robots Right. You know, it's not true because otherwise you and I wouldn't be talking about no, it. So no, yeah.
0: you know, that's hopelessness and yeah, you know, estrangement and it's not useful. Um solutions are there. <laughs> right? And we and I think we as yeah. people who are thinking about these things and encountering it on a day to day basis, and like you say, I'd love to we'd love to hear from people who are you know, involved as anybody is in the speed of technology and uh, are we helping to create and continue a generation that has no contact with each other, basically? And I think that uh, it is something that we do need to think about and we do need to think about in terms of of solution. It's not like we're going to come up with the big answer here. But how do we come up with the big balance where we use this stuff, but we don't miss out on on the kind of contact that, that enables us to, to help each other out? That's why I was going to this uh, talk about solution, because uh, David had pointed out to me, because I pointed out this article to him, and I thought it was such a great uh, subject to talk about, how not to be alone. Uh, And then right below it uh, is why music uh, makes our brain sing. So um, I I said, okay, well, here's a solution. Because, you know, they're proving that music creates a certain reactivity in different regions of the brain that affect you. And I'm thinking, I know this. And David, he'll say the same thing. I know this personally. I know this, that... When I'm in a certain mood, or if I'm feeling uh, depressed or whatever, I know that a, a certain piece of music will absolutely change uh, my whole molecular structure, so that I will not be caught, uh, you know, in the way that I that I was identifying myself with. And uh, so I'm thinking about this, you know, this this is a way for people to share too and people do of course you know it's a great thing on facebook how many times you know someone put up a great piece of music it's turned my whole day around so that's the positivity of it um and you know how did we didn't do you remember the days that we would get together around a record It's called a record back then <laughs> i do and it, it was fantastic
1: uh you know and, grow, and we'd commune yeah. over a piece of music yeah well, back to Dylan, which who we talk about a lot, you know, and when, when um, Highway 61 Revisited came out, or something like that, or Sergeant Pepper, or any of those great epical albums of the sixties. Yeah, people would call you and and uh, use that telephonic device to say. Hey, come on over and yes, let's let's, let's smoke a doobie and listen to yeah. you know Revolver or something. Yeah. And but people do that now. And I'm, I want to say that you know we were always talking about Woodstock and all of that, but now there are festivals all over the world. And and I know that my, two two of my uh, my sisters, um, uh, my nieces, uh, they go to uh, Coachella, particularly because mm-hmm. they live near there. And I know people go to Bonnaroo and Glastonbury, and there are ones that I don't even know about. Those wouldn't be possible to bring together if it weren't for the internet, because people um, communicate with each other about when they're going. Can we share a trailer? Uh, do you have? Where's the campsite? Etc. And that uh, and and the atmosphere in those at those festivals is truly beautiful. I mean, yeah, there's always you know aberrations and everything, but uh, the the generation that does that now, uh, and I'm not even talking about Burning Man. Um, which is more of a, a consciousness thing, yeah. but talking about people going to see, um, yeah, straight those, out music, yeah, or, you know,
0: Lollapalooza, etc. It is
1: incredibly important to a lot of people, and mm-hmm. one friend of mine in particular, who's very young, who's uh, to me, you know, is, is twenty-three or four, and she, uh, she just loves those things. I mean, she goes, she prepares for them, and she communicates via um, uh, the internet, Facebook, particularly. Uh, as to who 's going and where to meet and yeah. it's fabulous. No, no it's just no it. we 're not yeah. saying that there's yeah. a
0: complete devoid that we are completely devoid as a culture uh, of coming together at all because that's no true. It's you know, not, it is just not true I mean and even on a on a local level people, Come together around uh, yoga classes and stuff, and you know, I mean, it's not like it's uh, you know, we're not a we're not talking about a complete void. But when you read an article like this, you start to realize that you know a lot of people who are absolutely uh, caught up in the speed and caught up in, in in the propensity to be alone yes yes even that's why i try that's why i i force you to come down here
1: no it means a (laughs) lot i mean it's a whole different thing it's a whole different communication you're absolutely right there's no question about that uh you know the 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 weirdness is when you know you're at a dinner in a restaurant and uh you know with people and there's seven people there and two of them are texting and and my immediate response is what the fuck i mean stop that how many times have you seen me in the last two years and now you're on the phone i now is that just calcification, and I'm getting old and ready to disappear? Have I' done that i no, you really, don't do it i but I do I know do people do who it. do it I, you know uh,
0: I want to apologize well in case <laughs> I have done that i
1: it's not been my experience with you but i the, the I've had that experience with people I really like, and suddenly and you know if it's business and they're you know you, you can sort of understand it. But it is alienating, because you've got that moment, which will never be repeated in this incarnation, and every moment, uh, I don't want to sound like, you know, Sunday morning preachers here, but every moment is precious, you know, everyone's got... <laughs> all right, to, Jimmy, all Jimmy right. Swagger. All right, yes. every moment is precious, you baby. You've
0: got him going. But
1: yes. it's true, and, and we all forget it, you know, we all get bored and disgruntled and everything and forget that, you know, I'm looking outside the window now at the beautiful sunshine on the green leaves of summer and it's just fantastic um many people um are still obviously completely involved in the organic universe but i think it it you know i mean again i'm sounding like sunday morning it comes down to the family doesn't it that if the mother and the father or what or single mother or single father whatever combination it is uh two fathers two mothers um if they don't communicate to their children that these are actually important issues and say, no, you can't bring that cell phone to dinner. It's non-cell phone time now. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with discipline. We're not talking about being oppressive. If it doesn't come from the family, then where does it come from? The school? The university? Well, not really, because by that time, you know, it's already lost. So even though we're talking about incredible technologies, it really comes back down to Your dad saying to you, put
0: that away. But you know what? (laughs) Even beyond that, Dave, it's about dad giving you the attention. Right. To just viscerally connect so that you understand, wow, I am basking in that attention when you're a child. Mm. And then you have some basis from which to want to give somebody else that attention to want to be a generous person, I think that's you know, and and that's becoming a lost art. And I think oh yeah, it. I
1: mean, I was thinking yesterday. I was I was playing with one of your wonderful dogs and and um, Lila, who's very affectionate. And I was I was kind of twisting her ears around and doing things, and she was looking at me with great love. And I it, the thought occurred to me if I just you know went up to my friend Peter Goldsmith and started playing with his ears, (laughs) he would freak out and hit me. Uh, But uh, that's just, but it is true that we we can give animals unconditional love and obviously they give it back. Uh, It's quite hard to do that these days uh, with the people that surround us. Or maybe it's always been like that. I doubt it. I kind of feel like the advent of speed, various forms of speed, both technology and geographic speed. I mean, you know, get on a, it's wonderful that i can get on a delta jet and get here in 2 hours that is to me great but it's sometimes interesting to get on a plane to india you know and you fall asleep a little bit and you watch a couple of episodes of homeland on the thing in fr- on the screen in front of you and then suddenly you're in you know you're in india i mean it's unnatural to say the <laughs> least to be there we love it because otherwise it would overland it would take us weeks but then, when people went over, we've heard about this. When people went overland to India through Afghanistan and Pakistan and everything, they experienced amazing stuff on the way. Mm-hmm. And by the time they would get to an India, or kidnapped a, by a,
0: bandits in Afghanistan is it's really unpleasant, fun.
1: but it's a good story to tell.
0: Yes, uh, you know. uh, we'll tell that another time. Were you, were you kidnapped by bandits? No, I wasn't. Oh. But my brother and his friend uh, encountered that and really? talked their way out of it. Yeah, in, oh my in no. Afghanistan. Where you know all of that action is going on, um, we have come to the end of our allotted time uh, that our, our network allows us. And go out and hug someone. Yeah, <laughs> for God's sake, pay attention yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Would yeah, you just would try you that. would
1: you read that again, Raga Simone Wells thing? I just think it's so brilliant.
0: Yeah, it it is. It's uh, attention is the rarest and purest. Form of generosity that is that's got to be the best quote we have encountered in you know in a long time so uh, just try it i mean i need to try it i have been I, i am a prime offender of not paying attention and being add and not just dropping whatever the hell is going on in my head to be here for somebody and I know, and I, I. So this is, uh, this is my confessional. <laughs> Will you be my priest and just oh, okay. give me absolution for I'm God's just, sake? If it could I know, just I probably last. we have done it to you, uh, and I. Yeah. Oh really? I, no, I, if it could just last the day, that would be good. Okay, I'm going to try. I'm okay. going to try. Um, and okay, do we? We haven't. We've gone this whole podcast and not said one thing about our. Support and, and you know... Oh, let nothing. me do it. I like doing these commercials. Yeah, but go, it's boring. Go. You do the same <laughs> damn thing. All right, I'll think of now. something else.
1: Um, are you lonely? Do you need a book? Do you need a disc? Do you need a DVD? Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Go to... <laughs> <laughs> go to our portal banner on com, and if you're going to buy anything from Amazon, do it through there because it helps us. Uh, it really does. We get a percentage, so they're all – and we should recommend books. That's what other be- – Duncan Trussell recommends books. He does. Go- yes, he does on his website. He says oh, Be Here ooh. Now is available. Get that at Amazon. So, um, you know, d- do that. Get books. We'll think of books to, to recommend. Um, but do and the other thing is audible.com, which is our other sponsor, and we're an affiliate. If you want audiobooks, uh, and they're great, uh, do it via our portal on mindrollingpodcast.com. Get yourself an audiobook and relax and listen to something good.
0: Oh, well, wait, I'm going to recommend a, a CD, okay? Great, great. Uh, and an artist, and you can get any of his CD. If you want to talk about, you know, music changing your brain around. So that you can be more receptive, connective, and have way more attention and generosity and this is Indian music, which is not the I mean it's my favorite, so i'm I'm gonna say it anyhow it's not always easy for everybody to listen to, but you can meditate with this music and as well as have your brain changed. The artist is one of the great uh he he was known as one of the greatest uh, living musicians. He died a couple of years ago. Ali Akbar Khan. A-L-I-A-K-B-A-R-K-H-A-N. And just anything that you can find, uh, any of these ragas that he's done, Indian classical music, you, I swear to you, you put that on. If you're at all receptive, you don't need to know nothing about music, go to Amazon, go through our portal, get this, uh, get any any CD of his and your brain will absolutely be, the molecules will be changed. Right, so, right. There is no doubt about that. And uh, Dave? Well,
1: um, that's it for this and we'll see you very soon. We'll, we'll, we'll be in your presence or you'll be in ours, whatever you want, very soon. Thank you, Raghu. Thank you, Dave.
0: Thank you. And... Uh, See you next time.